we're starting a series today called Familyfication. We didn't make that word up, someone else did, but we're using it. Uh, so for the next three weeks, we're going to be teaching on church as a family and what that means. Uh, and then on the 25th of Feb, if you just flick back, there is going to be a day of child dedications and a family celebration day that we're going to come together and celebrate being a church whanau. Um, so there's going to be food and treats and fun for the kids. So make sure you mark that one in your calendar. Uh, and now Dan, if you want to come up, um, who's going to start off on the series and I'll just pray for you. God, thank you for Dan, thank you for the work he's done to um, prepare our hearts and show us um, and illuminate our spirit what it means to really be brothers and sisters and family in you. Uh, I pray, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, spirit that you will move through his words um, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Natalie. Is it just me or should... Natalie just records some like soothing. Yeah, 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 we're all thinking it. Could I select your voice as my audiobook voice somehow? Oh, I'd love that. As, as she has said, hey, welcome to our uh, new series. This is our first series of 2024, and it's called Family Vacation. Can we all say that together? Nice. It is a slightly made up word, so it does go red line squiggly underneath when you type it on a computer, and you, it will try to autocorrect to amplification. Uh, so familyfication, we're going to talk a bit about that over these next couple of weeks. Why are we doing this series? Um, next slide again for me there, Rob. Um, we're doing this series for a couple of reasons, and I just want to front foot the series and, and let you in on them, okay? Firstly, we're doing it because for several years now, we have been really shaped by a book by a guy called Dr. Joseph Hallerman called When the Church Was a Family. Now, if you've been in a circle, your circle leader got this as the vision for what they're trying to do. This was the book we give, this is the book we give circle leaders and say, read this, this is the job. The job is not just to have a nice Bible study in your, Bible study in your house, or the job is not just to simply um, have a good meal, the job is to help people become part of a family. Now, I have grabbed off our bookshelf what was left, the books we haven't give to our, given to our circle leaders, and over on our little resource table there of just good little breeds, um, there's a little stack of about six of these. And today, if you would like to go on the journey of uh, reading this book, if that suddenly pricked up your interest and you're like, ooh, that sounds good, I'm gonna be quoting a bunch of stuff out of this book today. So if it pricks your interest and you'd like to get your hands on one today, they're just over there for a koha of 25 bucks to just cover the costs of the fact that we bought a box of them a couple of years ago. We will get some more. Um, and this one here is um, available too to add to the pile. So there's that. Secondly, why are we doing this? Because for the last year, our Waidafano, the vineyard movement of Aotearoa, New Zealand, has been going through a journey of this whanaunatanga, uh, and sort of journey really. And our conference last year was called Whanaunatanga. And it has been a quest of the movement to go, what does it look like for us to be family? So at the church level and the pastor's level and at the staff level, that has been a thing we've been engaged in. And it just felt like as we started this year and as we prepped up towards into February, it was like, we need to bring this to the table again for this whanau. We need to remind ourselves that that is actually what's going on here, is this thing of whanaunatanga. Whanaunatanga is just te reo Māori for familyfication. 
to be honest. It's the same idea. Um, and, and it has been a part of our wider movement. So other vineyard churches around the country have been on the same track here, and we're joining in on that. Thirdly, why are we doing this? Because of, as uh, Natalie has already said, our own sense of this February digging into this idea of what it is to be family. And we're going to finish the month with these children's dedications, and we're going to have a big party out there on the lawn. We've asked for permission. We're allowed to do it. We're just not allowed to hang up bunting in the trees. We're not allowed to have a barbecue on site. All right. So we're going to work with those limitations, and we're going to have a great time out there. Um, Now, just something to note. It is not a family celebration because you have kids who got dedicated. It's a family celebration because we are a big whānau. So just be aware of that. It's not that it's about the dedications, just those. It's actually the fact that we are going, hey, we are a whānau. Let's have a family big party. So on that last February Sunday, we want to invite you to that special Sunday. So for those of you who only come to church once a month, that's definitely the church service to come to. All right. Joke, joke, joke. All right. Well, not really. Um, So I want to uh, bring you to today's reading, and we're going to start off the talk today in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. So if you do have your Bible, feel free to turn there. Uh, If you have your phone and you want to find it in your phone, feel free. Mark, chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and they sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd who was sitting around Jesus. Someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he looked at those around him and he said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Next slide. In ancient Mediterranean culture, which is where this story sits, the family system was how everything worked. The family system was how all of life was held together. So in ancient Mediterranean culture, The group came first. It took priority over an individual. A person from ancient Mediterranean culture would look at our individualized West reality that most of us live in now, and they would think it's absolutely alien and foreign, that we would be making decisions by putting ourselves first, like we so often do. In an ancient Mediterranean culture, It was all about family. The social unit was the family. And family solidarity was at the top of the pyramid of priorities of what was important in life. So what was the most important thing you could do in a social structure in a Mediterranean culture, ancient Mediterranean culture? It was to look after your family unit. Um, A brother was literally a brother's keeper. Quite literally. Brothers would look after the family. And the most important bond in ancient Mediterranean families was not actually husband to wife. It was brother to brother. It was sibling to sibling. That was actually how most of life kept moving forward in the family. That's how businesses kept on moving forward into history. That's how a great significance was found and shaped in in their standings in the wider community. The way sibling to sibling relationship worked was of high 
value. All of this to say, all this to say, the unit of family in the context of the scripture today is incredibly, incredibly important, which makes what Jesus does pretty revolutionary. Second thing I want to draw your attention to, next slide. If you were to read the Bible from cover to cover, if you were to start tomorrow and go Genesis to Revelation, you're going to notice a really important thread that runs through the whole scripture story. If you were to read the whole arc of the scriptures in one go, you're going to notice a really important thread making its way through. God's plan of making all things new, God's restorative and redemptive plan into history has always been tied to the dynasty of a family. It has always been tied and grounded in a person and people. Uh, It starts really in Genesis 12, where God says to Abraham, I am going to bless you and you will be a blessing to the nations. This family will be the source and the line, the dynastic line of blessing. It continues in places like Isaiah, where Isaiah, we looked at this last year for Advent, where Isaiah says there is coming someone from the stump, the root of the family of Jesse. Something is coming out of that stump, a new thing in the future, and it's going to be tied to that lineage. And it's important because that lineage was tied to the Abrahamic lineage. It's all one big story, one big dynasty, one big family. It's kind of mafia-ish. It's kind of soprano-like. It's kind of godfather-ish. There's a family. You must not disrespect the family. You know, like it's all right. It's all in there. And that's why when we get to books like Matthew, and you start the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew does such a particularly um, uh, important thing by starting with the genealogy of Jesus. He does this big family tree. Why? Because in this worldview for the Hebrew people, family was how God was doing what he was doing. People tied to the story in this family story, this dynasty, was how God was doing what he was doing. So I say these two things. Family was a really important structure and the dynasty was really important to raise something with you today as we get started on this journey. All this to say as the backstory to say that when a rabbi is sitting with a group of people and he turns that upside down and he disrupts that and he points out kind of weirdly, who is my mother and who are my brothers and my sisters? I mean, the obvious answer was your literal father, mother, brothers and sisters, the ones outside who are asking for you. But Jesus is like playing with that and next slide, it's disruptive and it's shocking. It's disruptive and it's shocking. Jesus is playing with the system that this whole crowd sees the world through. The worldview that they have, the value and the importance of family being the structure that all of life works in and the dynasty that God is doing his good work in. And here is Jesus playing with that and he's tampering with it. Or is he? Or is he? Because I say all of this to just get you thinking about the fact that what is Jesus doing here? Why is he disrupting that? Why is he poking at it? Well, my first answer today is this. Next slide. Jesus is actually taking the idea of family and he's scaling it up, as he often does with a lot of things, isn't it? Like we read through the teachings of Jesus and it's kind of like, you've heard it said this? Well, I say this. And up it goes, bigger it gets. Jesus turns to those who are gathered around him while his literal mother and brothers are outside. 
And he points to a woman near him and says, you are my mother. What? And he points to another, a man next to him and says, you are my brother. What? But I'm not. But to Jesus, he is. Why? Because Jesus is inviting those people around him that day into writing a new story for the future. And the story is this. God is making a new genealogy. God is making a new system. God is making a new dynasty. And it's even bigger than the old one. God's family is going to be wider than just that list at the start of Matthew. It's going to include everyone, and everyone is invited to play their part in this new whānau that God is making. That's good news, right? That's good news. So the next slide. Family is still going to be the dynastic plan of how God is making all things new. It's just that the family is changing. The family is changing. Now here's the core thing today. Here's why I raise all this and here's why we're throwing this to us as the start of the series for the year. Next slide. If I was to ask you, what is community? What is your answer? What would you load up that container with? If I said, you know, it's important that you have community or even I hear that from people, I want to find community. But what is in that word for you? What is, if that was a container, what is loaded up? You know, for some of us, community is the neighborhood we literally live in. Um, We've been renovating our house and uh, on one of our sliding doors back from the 70s or 80s, there's one of those old community watch stickers that has, you know, still survived on plenty of houses in Aotearoa. Community watch, which I think is a bit creepy, kind of. (laughs) We're all watching each other's properties. Or it might be the friends you have, the deep friendships you have, the, the people that you've given permission to be seen by and you see them. These people are my community. These are my true friends. They're my community. Well, just, you know, let's go to the next slide. What is Jesus saying when he thinks of community? What's his answer? Well, I think his answer is family. Community and family are the same thing to Jesus. He is not saying one is greater than the other. He's saying this is the two things together and together they are each together together. Family and community are the thing that Jesus wants to see happen. Family was the way of describing a life lived together. It was this way of redefining the community of the people of God. So next slide, I've got a little definition here that I just want you to think about. Jesus' picture of community, if that was the container, how would he load it up? He would say, it's a new family of diverse people who are united in relational solidarity And they are committed to practicing the way of the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say in that reading today? Anyone who does the will of the Father is my brother, my mother, my sister. That's the interim point. Oh, if you're in on this, you're family. Welcome to the family. Tom Wright, the theologian, says this in his book, Simply Christian. The early Christians did their best to live as an extended family, caring for each other in the way in which, in that world, extended families did. So they called each other brother and sister and they really meant it. They lived and prayed and thought like that. Children of the same father, following the same older brother, sharing goods and resources where needs arose. When they talked about love, that's the main thing they meant. Living as a single family, a mutually supporting community. The church must never forget that calling. 
Hellerman, Joseph Hellerman of the book that I was referring to earlier, I'm going to start quoting a few pieces out of this now. Joseph uh, says this, the early Christians took their culture's strong group approach to family life and they appropriated it as the preeminent social model for the local Christian communities. They lived with one, they lived with one another like Mediterranean brothers and sisters. And the early Christians turned the world upside down. When the church was a family, the church was on fire. So may God help us recapture Jesus's vision for authentic Christian community today. Can you hear both Tom Wright and Joseph Hallerman doing the same thing as Jesus? It's not one or the other. These two things are actually informing each other. Family and community, this is the vision. So how do we do that? How do we actually start to do that? Uh, I've got a couple of points here from Joseph Hallerman. He, he scopes it out quite nicely, actually, in, in these little bullet points from the New Testament. He looks at the early church and he pulls out these four threads. You can find this as soon as Acts chapter 2, and you can keep reading about it all through the rest of the epistles. These same four things keep showing up. So here's the first thing. The early church shared their stuff with one another. Has any, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up because it's, it's a guilt trip moment if we do, but like, does anyone here have a storage unit? Don't have to put your hand up. Does anyone here just have a garage full of stuff? Don't have to put your hand up, it's okay. Does anyone here have more rooms than they actually need? Like we have so much stuff. We do not have a stuff problem. We have lots of it. And the early church, there's this interesting phrase about the early church. No one was in need because they shared their stuff together. Interesting, eh? Hey, in this room, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of resource. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of stuff here. Interesting, eh? And the, the mandate of a family is we share. The second thing Hellerman points out is that the early church shared their hearts with one another. So this is not just about a transaction of things. This is also about a sharing of vulnerability. No one was alone in the journey of following Jesus. No one was left out. They were incorporated into a life together. And they shared their hearts. They shared their vulnerabilities. They shared their weaknesses. They confessed the things that they were struggling with. They got alongside each other in the pain. No one was, was in need and no one was actually left out. It's a stunning thought to be a people who are vulnerably known to another group of people that when you start going through something that's hard, you are not alone. We share our hearts with one another. Third thing, we stay, we embrace the pain, and we grow up with one another. Now this one here is confronting because has anyone arrived in this church because you were, quote, church shopping? Again, no hands. <laughs> Quote, I'm looking for a new church. And I get that. I'm not, I'm not here to slam you for that. But what is that? Because here's what usually happens. We go church shopping. We find a community that ticks some boxes. We stick around for a couple of years. And then all the things that drove us out of the last one come back up to the surface. And we just go try and find another one to do it all over again and repeat the cycle. 
Why? Because we've lost this thing where the early church stayed and embraced the relational pain when it came because they were actually learning to love one another. Now, now, there's a caveat here. If there's abuse involved in all of those kinds of things, then it's definitely a different conversation. What I'm talking about here is that thing when it's like, ah, oh, I don't like so-and-so and it's got a bit awkward and they said that thing once that I don't agree with and then they did that during COVID and then they took that position and the whole thing starts to unravel pretty ugly. Whereas the original church stayed with one another, embraced the pain and grew up together, had hard conversations together, confronted those things, brought them from dark to light, named them, explained them, were heard, had counsels about things, wrestled with things, went on the journey together. And that's what I'm talking about here. It's this thing of when that niggle arrives, when I want to hide, when I want to disappear, when I want to go, why is that? Is that an invitation to come and learn to love a little further? Because let me tell you, as a man who's been married for 15 years, the same thing applies with my marriage. There are moments when I could run. There are moments when I could hide. But I've chosen to stay and embrace the pain and grow up. I wonder if viewing church as a family where it does that could be a healthy thing for getting us to engage in that thing of emotional health and emotional growth. Please hear my caveat there. If, if abuse is involved, I'm not, that's a different conversation. What I'm talking about is this conversation to go and try and just have something in us re-met in a new place and we just take all of our baggage there again. Number four from Hallerman, he says this, family is, more, is about more than just me, the, house, or the husband, wife, and the kids. In other words, the atomic family, those that I literally have. He's sort of naming this moment with Jesus where it's like, oh yeah, my, my literal family might be outside, but there's a bigger family here. And it's the same thing. Yeah, I've got my wife and I've got my kids and I've got my dog called Cash. That's my family. But you are my family. You make my family bigger. Someone asked me the other, no, it was maybe last year actually. They're like, why are you in church, Dan? They just, well, they just wanted to know. Like, just give me, just give me like the headline. Why are you in a church? Why do you go to church? And my answer was this, because I believe it could be the best family in the world. Like, that's actually what I've come to see now. I've come to see that this could be a group of people that the greatest expression of community could be felt, the greatest knowing of other people could be experienced where we're not just transactions of like relationship at this resource level, but something deeper is going on. I take people in this room's weddings. It's one of the great joys of my life to stand at people's, one of the people's highlight points of their life at that moment and to be with them as they do that. I, I take funerals. I go with people who are grieving into those spaces and we mourn. I pray with people who are walking with debilitating, uh, you know, what's the word? Um, prognosis, you know, like health journeys. Like we get let into these spaces that are a great privilege and a pleasure to be part of. And it's beautiful to be able to do so and to serve. Why? Because I believe this is family. I believe this is family. Next slide. So when the church went on to do this with those four things, they went on, and as Tom Wright said, they changed the world. Here's some early writers who are just noting this. Here's some, uh, pulled out of some early writings. Lucian said this, their first lawgiver, that's Jesus, persuaded them that they are all brothers of one another. 
Tertullian's commenting on the fact that they actually have the sold out unity for each other. He's like, well, it's because they're actually convinced that they are brothers. When they say it, they really mean it. Remember that brother's keeper thing I said before? Sibling relationships were everything. And here was the church doing that. Tertullian says this, see how they love one another? It is so, uh, it stands out. This type of love that the early church had when widows and orphans are being welcomed in and made space for in such radical ways. No one's being left out. No one's being uh, taken out of this picture. Julian says this, they support not only their own poor, but ours as well. A family makes room at the table and it was noted in history. All this to note, why am I saying this? I'm just showing these to you to say, when the church was doing those four things, people noticed and it's recorded in history. So as we land today, as we come into land, I wanna draw you to one final quote from Hellerman. And this is the real main piece of these next couple of weeks. So if you are taking notes or if you're taking photos of notes or whatever, however you go about it today, this one's important. Hellerman says this, conversion to Christ involves both our justification, in other words, our standing with God, Christ puts us in right standing with God, justification, and our, and here, here he is making up a word, familyfication. We gain a new father and a new set of brothers and sisters when we respond to the gospel. Personal salvation is a community creating event. I don't know what that does for you, but I found that quite a uh, compelling couple of lines. And I guess it depends, it asks a lot of our origin stories of faith. I don't know how everyone in this room started following Jesus. I don't know what that moment was like for all of us. But it asks a question of, so is Jesus just my personal savior? Or was Jesus doing something more for me right now? I think we need to discover that in the good news of the gospel, faith is not a lone wolf event. But in the gospel is an invitation to being part of a new family. We need to become familyified. Next slide, we need to discover our familyfication. And so to finish church today, to finish our gathering, I want you just to imagine this with me. So just next slide. Just a little imagination experience here. Imagine I put the microphone down and I sit down over there next to Bob and Jesus comes in and he picks up the microphone and he's here amongst us. And he starts turning to you and he goes, you are my sister. You are my sister, 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 sister. There's a lot of sisters over that side. <laughs> there's, there's two brothers, <laughs> two brothers from other mothers over there. And you at the back, Blair, you're my brother. And down here in the front, Bob and Mike, 
you know, my sister and my brother. Imagine Jesus starts looking us in the eyes and this deep set sort of feeling starts to come into our, into our guts. He's calling me family. Jesus is calling me part of his family. Jesus is saying, I'm part of his family. Next slide. Well then, what does that make the rest of us to you? Welcome to the church. That's what the church is. That. That's the church. The church is not a bunch of people who just think the same thing, vote the same way, like the same coffee, like music the same way, dress the same, although there, is a bit of, there was definitely a bit of a dress code in this church a few years ago. There was a bit of a uniform for a while. That is not the church. The church is that moment right there. Jesus is calling you family. And the rest of us have got to figure out what we think of each other as we all come to the realization that means I have some brothers and sisters here. And how am I going to be in this family? Is that making sense? And so that is what we want to talk about for the next couple of weeks. So next week, I'm going to talk about how it is that the church, the family is a place of belonging, how we are called to belong in this whānau. Uh, the week after, Leisha's going to talk about how the church is this beautiful uh, spectrum of age and stage and how we need that and how that's a beautiful thing, how it's beautiful to have older, wiser people when you have no wisdom and how it's beautiful to have some young people full of energy when you've run out of energy and all that comes in between all of those things age, stage, all the things that come along the way. And then on our last Sunday of the month, on February the 25th, we're going to dedicate some beautiful babies, some wonderful children, and then we're going to go out there on that lawn and we're going to have a family party because we're celebrating this familyfication that we're experiencing together as we all keep figuring out and wrestling with how is it that we do this with each other. Amen? So my benediction is simply this. Go and be good at being in family. And you'll know if you've been in a family, that's a really hard thing to do. And that is why it's a family of grace and mercy and coming to the great master week after week to be nourished by his merciful things for us. Amen. So God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday of Sabbath. Have a wonderful rest today. And let me just offer a little challenge to you. What would it look like even just this lunchtime to do family with someone in this room? What would it look like? What could you do? Even in the next half an hour to an hour, what might it look like? Give it a go. All right, God bless you. Let me pray for you and release us today. And our parents, if you could go and sign out your children and collect them, that would be wonderful. Lord, thank you that you are building a new family here. Lord, thank you that you stand here in front of each of us and you say to each of us, you are my brother, you are my sister. You are my brother, you are my sister, you are my family. If you are doing my will, if you're on this way with me, I call you family, you're my new family. Lord, thank you for that. And Lord, there'll be so many things that come to the surface for us about that. There'll be so many things of, um, 
feeling inferior or there'll be things of not feeling like we fully believe that. Well, by your spirit, Lord, would you start to repair those things? By your spirit, would there not be fear? By your spirit, would there not be rejection? And by your spirit, would there not be the sense of being left out? But Lord, would you start drawing people beautifully into that reality? I think of Alana's story last week when she shared that good story about how, Lord, you have brought connection for her. Well, Lord, we pray for that even here and in this moment. Grace us with a beauty of connection, deeper ways of having that in our lives. Lord, you, you call us to be brother and sister. Lord, open us up to the reality of that. When, when our culture around us is, is tearing that down and redefining that and, and, and giving us such a manipulated version of that, Lord, would you truly show us what it looks like to be able to say, you are my brother and you are my sister to each other? Would you unlock in us the, the places we won't share? Would you unlock in us the places we have kept hidden? Would you unlock in us the, 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 the temptation to want to disappear and run away? Would you unlock in us the sort of stingy thinking of just keeping stuff close to ourselves? And would you turn it into generosity and open-handedness and vulnerability and looking out for the other? Lord, would you teach us to love as you have loved us? So teach us to be family. Teach us to do this well. By your mercy and your grace, because we will not be able to earn our way into this at all. So give us grace for the journey. Pile your mercy upon us, Lord, as we go on this together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the saints all said together. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. If we don't see you in between that, for other things that we're doing together.